It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip on Instagram. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. Today's show is also brought to you by Grip6 Belts. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it is a great Father's Day gift. Grip6 has a special offer for you at Grip6.com lock. That's L-O-C-K-E. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 529 of Locked On Raptors for uh, Friday? Yeah, Friday, June 7th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please be sure to check out the Locked On Podcast Network team-focused shows for all 30 teams. We've got all the NFL teams covered as well, although that I guess that's kind of a downtime. But still, if you're interested in OTAs, Check out the Locked On NFL shows. If you are a baseball fan, you got the Locked On MLB shows as well. No shortage of stuff for you to check out. And if you find a show on the network that you want to support,
support, the best way to do so is to subscribe, rate, and review on whichever podcast platform you use, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and also Himalaya, which is a brand new podcast app, which is uh, excellent. It helps you to curate your own podcast podcast playlists, and uh, you can follow creators. It'll suggest new podcasts for you based on your interests, and it's absolutely free at the App Store and the Google Play Store. So check out Himalaya if you're in the market for a new podcast app. All right, on today's show... The Raptors are about uh, 11 hours, as we record, away from playing Game 4 of the NBA Finals in Oracle Arena against the Warriors. And joining me to talk about uh, the news that broke after we recorded yesterday about Kevin Durant and a whole bunch of other stuff to tee up Game 4 from the Score and the Pound the Rock podcast is Joe Wolfon. What's going on, buddy? Not too much, man. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Uh, you were burning the midnight oil, writing a piece about the Raptors' offense, which I'm sure we'll get into shortly. Uh, but first, we should probably talk about the KD thing. I think a lot of people went into yesterday before practice and stuff thinking, hey, yeah, KD's just going to come back for Game 4. That's going to be the deal. The reporting was early on from like Chris Haynes and stuff that it was going to be the middle of the series when he came back. And I don't really see him coming back at this point. I don't know. If he's not playing a game four when they're down 2-1, I don't really understand. Like, I don't know how you can really expect that he's going to play at all. Maybe they just need an extra couple days here and they they feel confident they can win game four and they'll come back in game five with KD. I don't know. But it does not feel great right now if you're a Warriors fan, I don't think, based on how this has all transpired. Joe, what was your first reaction when... The KD thing came down yesterday, and were you surprised at all? And, like, how do you think this affects the rest of the series? Because it's obviously quite important. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, I wasn't really surprised at all. I've just been sort of skeptical of this whole thing from the start. Um, And, like, the only real intel that we've had is, like, there was, like, a Warriors assistant coach who told Chris Haynes that he was going to come back, like, probably around game four, but... It's all been very hush hush, and like there's been no update about his status, and like he hasn't done any on court work. Like the whole thing just has this mysterious air about it, where it's like it, it seems like maybe it's more serious than they're letting on. Mm-hmm. The way that it happened, and like the way that he left the court, um, and just what that injury looked like uh, from the start, it always seemed like it was more serious than it kind of came out afterwards as being. So. I don't know. Like, I, I guess I've just had like a bit of skepticism the whole time that he was ever going to play. And yeah, the fact that now, you know, he still hasn't practiced. They were going to have him do that like three on three scrimmage, which with, with a bunch of the, of the third stringers, mm-hmm. which they're not doing anymore either. And they're down to one in the series. And like, I get, you know, they feel like if they can bring him back at something close to full health and, and have their full complement of players, doesn't you know, they, they feel like they can come back from being down 3-1. I don't know. Like, 3-1 going back to Toronto. Like, they got to win two games in Toronto, reintegrate KD after playing without him for a month in, you know, like a pretty raucous building, of, like against a really good team that's going to have a chance to win a championship at home twice i feel like like this would be the game to bring him back like if he was even close they Mm -hmm. would have to bring him back so i i'm of the mind that he's probably just not gonna play but i i really have no idea and that's 
I don't know, man. Like, the, it's it's like hard to talk about the series <laughs> as, as an analyst. Like, the whole it's just been really frustrating because you can't really talk about it um, without knowing, and we haven't known this entire time. It's just been sort of up in the air. Um, so obviously, I mean, I think it's good news if you're a Raptors fan. And um, yeah. he's not going to play in game four. It's another huge opportunity, a chance to go home up 3-1, uh, you know, with a chance to, to close it out and win a championship at home. Like, that's insane. Yeah, and they won't be – just you saying it, I've said it a couple times out loud too. It sounds fucking bonkers, but uh, it's, it's real or it could be real by the end of tonight. Um, and they're not going to be up against the same ragtag Warriors crew they were up against on Wednesday. Uh, Clay Thompson is going to play, although I still am like – I'll believe – like I think he's going to play, but I'll believe he's Clay Thompson, capital K, capital T, when I see him run around for a couple possessions because that hamstring did not look good. And, like, he looked, you know the face, right? Like, everyone tries to play, like, doctor and stuff when injuries happen. But typically, the face a guy makes when a thing happens usually tells you, oh, yeah, like, this guy knows this is serious. And, like, I thought Clay Thompson had the, oh, no, this is serious face when it happened. And so I'm not sure which is one day between games three and four, like, how much the one day is going to change things. I mean, maybe it will. Maybe it'll do wonders. Maybe they've shot him up with so much cortisone he can't even feel. But, like... I do have a bit of skepticism that they're going to be like the same Warriors they were in, say, Game 2 with the healthy clay. And even then, in Game 2, the Raptors were a few made shots away from winning that game, too. And like a a section of the third quarter where, yes, the Warriors do that, where they go carving apart and they go on their runs. But like that was an avoidable loss for the Raptors in Game 2, I thought. And... I, I I don't know. I, I just I, I wonder how much like this Warriors team has left. I I, I don't want to doubt them because they're horrifying and Steph himself like made me feel uneasy the entire time during Game Three. And it wasn't until after the game ended that I could look back and say like, hey, yeah, actually the Raptors were pretty good in that game and they countered every punch because I always was worried that there was going to be a Steph punch that they couldn't counter. Um, but like I don't know. Like, do you think this Warriors team right now? Like, how do they hold up if if Clay is even like eighty percent? Like, it just it just feels like they're up against a lot here, and maybe it is dangerous to like count them out or anything like that. But like, it just it's also pretty easy to like see a path to the Raptors winning this thing in five. Yeah, it's definitely easy to see that path. Um, and obviously, you know, for Clay, I just feel like movement is so much a part of what makes them good. Mm-hmm. Uh, like his ability to just come flying off of those down screens and like just perpetually moving without the ball, like his ability to catch and shoot without bringing the ball down, like that ridiculously quick release. If he's not moving around the way that he's typically capable of, then that's a big deal. Um, and it's a big deal at both ends of the floor, obviously. But at the same time, it's like he had a high ankle sprain in the finals last year and just played through it and didn't seem that much worse for the wear. Mm-hmm. He's kind of bionic. Like I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if uh, if we should be doubting him at this point, just given all the stuff that he's played through in the past and how durable he's been. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I'm sure they'll shoot him up with cortisone and and he'll, you know, play through the pain as best he can. Um, but I think you're right. Like, even so, uh, it, it's like the Raptors are right there and, and will 100 percent have a chance to win. And and for for me, it's like. I think this loony injury is kind of a big deal mm-hmm. um, because that Warriors big man rotation is a mess. And 
and like without Durant there, they they can't really downsize and have it be effective because then they're just sliding like Sean Livingston or Quinn Cook or like Alfonso McKinney into that starting lineup, and then it's just not a very good lineup. Mm-hmm. So they they have to play like one of those bigs at a time, and all of them looked fucking terrible last game like they got absolutely roasted every single one of them Mm -hmm. um and so without without a mobile big like looney who can actually switch a bit uh who can i mean you know boga can protect the rim a bit but that's basically all he can do like he's gonna hang back there and and hope that somebody basically comes into his space to the point that he can alter a shot but if he has to come out to the perimeter even really like out to the mid-range he's not going to be particularly effective. Um, and he was the most effective of any of their bigs in that game. So I, I don't know what their answer is to that. And like, I guess they just hope that they can get some of that game two boogie magic back. But mm-hmm. barring that, I mean, they might be in dire straits. Like uh, watching Jonas Jerebko try to guard Pascal Siakam in that game was awesome. Loved it, it. it was pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Like I, so that's, I mean, I understand, like, the Warriors' offense can still go off and, and the Raptors can go cold, and, like, I don't think they're going to shoot as well as they did last game because that was just a crazy shooting performance, mm-hmm. especially just with the number of sort of, uh, like, grenades that they were grabbing and shooting late in the shot clock that managed to go in, um, you know, between Danny Green and Van Vliet and uh, Lowry even was just nickels. Uh, I, I don't, like... I don't know that the Raptors are going to be able to have that kind of an offensive performance, but at the same time, like the formula is there for them, for them to do that. Um, I guess the big difference and the big question that I have is like, is Clay going to be healthy enough to take on that Kawhi assignment? Mm-hmm. Cause I thought a big thing last game was Draymond was guarding Kawhi for most of the game. And I think that made a big difference. Cause like when, then when they're running pick and roll, like when, Kawhi's running that pick and roll and Draymond is involved in that action like he can't pull over from the weak side to help mm-hmm. and when that help wasn't there it was like Kawhi was just getting to the rim or he was like collapsing the defense and and slinging kick out passes to shooters and Lowry the same thing I mean Lowry was just getting downhill in a way that I don't think I've seen him do in like a couple of years he was so aggressive driving the ball and um he only shot, he, he attempted two layups and he hit one of them, but I think like he was still putting so much pressure on the rim, mm-hmm. um, like with his dribble penetration and, and it like became the sort of drive and kick offense that was really just destroying the Warriors. So I think, um, I think if Clay can handle the Kawhi assignment, you know, the way that he did in game two, then that's huge. Um, and then you can, you can have Draymond as a helper and that makes a big difference. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. 
the meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And honestly, you mentioned the fact that the Warriors can't really skew small because they're like the 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 wings they would be sliding in next to Draymond at center are like are dog shit. But like honestly, it still might even be preferable. Like I would rather have Alfonso McKinney who can like maybe hit a corner three and Quinn Cook who lacks for no confidence to put up threes. Not a good defender at all. But like I would almost rather those guys out there with Draymond at center and like you just try to survive it. I guess against the. Like you just try to survive it as best you can, you know, size-wise and stuff like that. And then it's not—it's not an easy answer. But like, I'd rather have Draymond be that sort of dude who can go to, into space than Bogut or Cousins, right? But uh, good points there on the contrary as well. It's yeah, they're in a really tough spot. They have a lot of bad players, and <laughs> they're playing a lot of minutes. And I—it does feel weird anytime the Raptors do kind of get stuck in the mud with their offense because it does feel like there are so many spots to attack at so many different points of the game, especially when Steve Kerr's doing things like resting Steph Curry and Draymond Green at the same time uh, to start the second quarter. Like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Um, but, like, there have been times in this series where the Raptors have gotten a little bit sort of hung up and then stuck in the mud. I think game uh, one, like the last five minutes of regulation when the Warriors were kind of threatening, they got like nothing outside of that Fred Prayer that bounced off glass and rattled around. Um, There was obviously the the third quarter of game two and even like the second quarter of game three when things were getting a little hairy there, like there just kind of became these moments where their offense would just sort of like forget how to play offense. Like Noah would sort of seep into the space that the extra attention on Kawhi was creating. And it just, it was not a very sort of efficient flowing machine yet. They could still like discover it and be fine in the second half. It was really bizarre how it kind of goes in and out, but like, do you see something in those moments? Like where the, where the warriors are sort of doing something differently that they can maybe sort of prolong over the course of the game a little bit more in game four, or is it just a matter of the Raptors just like, you know, having momentary lapses of like forgetting how to play basketball? Like, I, I don't really know what's behind them because it does feel like the Warriors at all times are, are susceptible somewhere on the court. Yeah, um, I think at least in that last game when that drought happened was when they started trapping Kawhi. And I just don't think that he was doing a particularly good job of um, reading those traps mm-hmm. or reacting to them. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple possessions. I don't know if they were back-to-back, but it was like two possessions and three trips down the floor when it ended up in like a super late clock scenario and he just had to heave the ball. And I think they were both air balls or one of them hit like the top of the backboard. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of them, he like he had Bogut switched on him and Bogut started pressing up and then drain like, and he, he started dribbling backwards, like toward the sideline. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he started to do that, Draymond like rushed up to trap him and pin him against the sideline. And it's like, you got Bogut switched on to you. Like you can't be backing up, you mm-hmm. know, like that's uh, biting a trap. And then what ended up happening was like, he had nowhere to, to throw the ball. And he ended up throwing a grenade to Serge also on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And Serge obviously doesn't want to dribble the ball. So he just holds it for another couple of seconds. And then Kawhi has to come and get it on like a handoff. It's just stuff like that, where it's like, if you're like, if you don't want to like attack Bogut off the dribble for whatever reason, like you got to anticipate that trap coming and like get rid of the ball quicker than that. And 
I don't know, that's just kind of been the one thing with Kawhi, and it's been sort of all season. I, I, we've seen glimpses of him sort of figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've said this before, like, I think I think Kawhi's like a really good passer, but I don't, like, the reads aren't quite there, um, you know, to, to sort of complement the passing ability that he has. And it just sometimes he has a little bit of tunnel, tunnel vision, I think. Or he just really likes to take his time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can kind of muck up the Raptors' offense sometimes. And I actually thought, so like a good adjustment I thought they made last game was they really shifted a lot of the initiating duties to Lowry. Yeah. Um, and because I was just writing this piece, I like was digging into all these numbers. So uh, Lowry in that last game controlled the ball for... 7.8 minutes um, which was like by far the most on the Raptors and like in the finals up to that point he was at 4.9 minutes per game so it was like a huge increase in the time that he was spending on the ball and a huge decrease for Kawhi and I actually thought like the offense started to breathe a lot better when when Kyle was um, handling the ball it's because he he doesn't really take his time to the same extent like he really likes to push mm-hmm and keep the tempo up um and he looks to facilitate he doesn't hold the ball for too long so i thought that was a good adjustment and i think you know part of that probably had to do with the fact that draymond was guarding Kawhi, right like if that's happening like why not just like you can isolate Kawhi on one side of the floor and you can have him involved in some sort of second side action but like don't force the offense through him when the best defender in the league is guarding him. You know what I mean? Yeah, it seems like a weird invitation to uh, to, to mail out, right? Like, yeah, c- come to my wedding and ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so that's... And like I was saying, I mean, they, they did have counters to that where they could just kind of put Draymond in pick and roll, and that was working out really well. I thought Kawhi had a ton of success, again, attacking those Warriors bigs in space. Like, he... Hit, like he got Bogut, um, he got Jordan Bell with like a you know a, he turned the corner on him and drove and just dunked in his face. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once the Warriors started trapping, that was where things uh, got a bit dicey. So yeah. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly. An AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And I agree. I was going to make that point, too. Like, Lowry sort of taking over the reins in the second half, I think it was very obvious. Like, it led to a lot more sort of pick-and-roll action. You get, like, you know, Gasol barreling to the rim with a head of steam, and then, boom, he's kicking it out to Danny Green in the corner just because, like, he can do that, and he, he can make that pass. And I – you just get a lot more it – is, it's the same thing that's been happening all season long, and obviously it hasn't really derailed the Raptors because, like, they're in the finals and up 2-1, but – 
Like, it's still sort of the warring factions of the offense still not quite being bridged at all times. I think for the most part they've done a better job of sort of being cohesive and using Kyle off ball, off Kawhi pick and rolls and stuff like that. Um, and that it's a lot easier to do when it's not Draymond who's, you know, in, in the action all the time. But, um, like, it's still, the offense seems to run a lot smoother when Kyle does sort of take the reins and, you know, push, push the pace and gets into the Raptors stuff quickly as opposed to Kawhi sort of doing his, his own... It's not like it's a bad thing that Kawhi does. Like, oh no, the, the very good player is controlling the pace of the game and, and, and dribbling for 18 seconds before punking somebody. Like, oh, that's so terrible. It's not. It's just, it, it, against certain teams, I think, you need the sort of quick fire, um, you know, passing and ball movement that the, that Kyle creates, right? And, like, the Warriors are going to be susceptible to giving up open threes the way they defend, and the best way to sort of take advantage of that is to use the guy who's very good at driving into the paint and creating open threes, you know? Um, so I think, yeah, Kyle Lowry, very good at basketball as it turns out. Uh. <laughs> Man, he, uh, like, so I've gone back, I've watched that game like two times. Uh, like I've rewatched it two times. I'm like, holy shit, man. He <laughs> had such a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I know like he, he wasn't the best defensively, obviously like a pretty tough assignment for him. And I think, you know, Fred is a lot better suited to that assignment than Kyle is, but like, offensively he was so fucking good um and he just like he made everything happen and like to your point about the the sort of two like the warring factions of the offense i actually thought like they were running some pretty good two-man action uh him and Kawhi. like Mm -hmm. you know they have that play where kyle will sort of uh like come up from the wing and it looks like he's maybe going to set a screen but he slips it and pops to three yeah um they had that working like they were just straight up running, you know, Kawhi, Lowry pick and rolls and getting that switch uh, onto Steph. And Kawhi was just taking him into the post and scoring, something like we haven't really seen a lot of in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like peak DeMar and Kyle stuff, right? Like, that's what they did yeah, so well. No, exactly. It was just like, okay, exactly. Isaiah Thomas, like, De- DeMar's <laughs> on you. You're, you're guarding DeMar now because Kyle's screening. Yeah, that, that, that was like the thing they did the best. Yeah, so it was good. You know, I think we started to see a bit more of that in the second half. And, and yeah, the offense was starting to flow, I think, a little bit better. I mean, they were still eating a whole lot of clock. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see them pick up the pace in the half court a little bit. Um, they were, so you know that site, Impredictable, it keeps possession, uh, like time, time-based stats, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so after a Warriors made shot, the Raptors took 19.6 seconds on average like in, uh, to, to get a shot off, which is like, which is crazy. That means it's going down to four seconds on average. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, they scored 1.44 points per possession after a make. <laughs> like, it didn't make any sense. Um, so I don't think that's sustainable, but like the fact that they were able to do that, the shot making in that game was just crazy. Uh, like some of those threes that Danny Green hit, were... <laughs> the running one after the Kawhi yeah. Boardman uh, explosion, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He was really like it, it, the way he takes off on those threes is just wild. Like he he takes this crazy step like forward, yeah, and kind of kicks his legs out behind him. It's kind of cute. Um, but... <laughs> it's like yeah, it's a little pirouette that he's doing. Yeah, yeah, uh... Uh, but yeah, no. So so I think. I don't think you want to be getting yourself into those kind of situations that often. And I get maybe part of it is is uh, 
a tactical decision. Like you want to control the pace and prevent the warriors from getting out in transition. But I don't think you want to be taking that much time. I just think that's playing with fire a bit. Yeah, and if like you're scoring, you're, they're pretty like we talked about this on the podcast last week with Mike Prada. Like the Raptors are a very good team in transition, where like if they are pushing it, like they're 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 pretty like good with taking care of the ball and not getting into one of those ping pong matches where they're screwing up and then feeding into the Warriors' chaos machine. Like they're usually scoring when they get out and run, so that it's not like they're letting the Warriors get into their like up tempo style either. So I think I agree with you there. Maybe attack a little bit more, but at the end, like the Warriors are pretty good at transition defense so the Raptors will like <laughs> game one notwithstanding that is but like the Raptors if they don't have something immediately they will sort of scale it back which maybe that also speaks to the, that sort of extended time there um, that they're using one more before you Joe because I gotta wrap this thing up in a sec here but the uh, question that I have going into game four on the Raptors side of things considering how the second half transpired is do you think Fred Van Vliet starts tonight like just to hound Steph Curry the entire game but does it matter if like Clay, like do the wait to see how Clay's looking to maybe sort of make any big whole scale changes. Like I don't know. Do do you think that's something we see? Just like Steph Curry, or sorry, Fred from the jump on the floor to guard Steph. Um. Yeah. No. I I was talking to Cash about this on Pound the Rock yesterday. Uh, I I sort of brought it up and thought that it was interesting. Uh, I ultimately don't think that it is going to happen, but. I think there's a case to be made that it should. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like Nurse is already so close to just hard matching his and Steph's minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously he came out, you know, starting the second half last game. Like, why not just go all the way? But I, I guess, um, you know, he, he maybe just prefers to, to have that ball handler coming off of the bench. Um even though it's just like like him and Kyle have shared the floor for so much of the series already, <laughs> yeah, and it's not like they're ever going to run any lineups out there without a ball handler on the floor. So I don't know. Like I can see it going either way, I suppose. But I just think as much as as much as Nurse is like a tinkerer, and he's sort of like proven worthy of his mad scientist reputation <laughs> during this postseason. Um, I think that's a tough one, you know, with a guy like Danny Green who, like, he's a pro, and I don't think he would make too much of a stink about it, but, like, he's started every game this year. Yeah. And to just put him in that different role all of a sudden in the finals, I think might be sort of tough. Yeah, it would be very, at the same time, it would be counter to everything Nurse has sort of shown all season, where he's stuck with his dudes, even when there were calls for changes in the Bucks series. Um, and even before that, with Green not being particularly good against the Sixers either. Um, and it would also be the most Nurse thing ever to get out ahead of something when they're up 2-1 off of a road win and be like, all right, let's just make this change. Uh, you know, this this is the thing we got to do. Uh, so I, I don't know what to expect. I would expect Green probably starts. Maybe there's a quick sub. Uh, if Steph starts to get a little bit hot early on, maybe they give Green a second to you know show that he can guard him or whatever. But um, Fred's going to play a lot. Fred's awesome, man. <laughs> he's been – it's unbelievable the turn he's made since game three against the Bucks. But uh, it's been pretty essential to the Raptors getting here. So I'm not going to complain about it coming a little bit late. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. Do you have anything you'd like to promote? Any uh, parting shots before we let you go? Um, parting shots. I mean, the Raptors are two games away from a championship. Um, 
I have, uh, I'll have a piece coming out. It should publish in like the next hour or so. Um, like I said, about the Raptors offense in that game three, and I sort of wrote about how much, if any of it can carry over if, and when the Warriors get healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can read that on the score. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joey underscore W. And um, I guess that's about it for now. But uh, I'm hopeful about uh, about tonight's game, and, and I'm optimistic that we're going to be coming home with a 3-1 lead. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, alarmingly good as well. It's, uh, it's unsettling for sure, but it's kind of how I feel. Uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm going to be going into the city to watch the game downtown too. Not downtown, at a bar somewhere not near, not near downtown, but um, I'm pretty pumped. I'm going to dance in the streets if they win. I can't wait. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I'll meet you at Young and Dundas. Sounds good, buddy. We'll find Young and Dundas Tupac as well, and we'll have ourselves a time. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Joe, get some sleep, pal. Uh, read Joe's piece at the score. Listen to Pound the Rock with him and Joey Cash. Always, always good stuff. And uh, you can subscribe to this podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever it is you get your podcasts. And Himalaya, if you're in the market for a new podcast app, is the one to check out. Uh, thanks to Hotels.com and Grip6 for sponsoring today's show. And uh, yeah, listen to the podcast. You, I don't have anything else to plug right now. I'm not writing a whole a whole ton just about uh, just right now. So uh, stay tuned for stuff down the line on that front and uh that's gonna do it thank you so much enjoy game four everybody and we will talk to you next time with another episode of locked on raptors sweet thanks man wilson you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it i got a huge assist from grammarly an ai writing partner that helped me make my point 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 